Well, man, great to be back here. It is wonderful to have Bethel Christian Fellowship as covering for for me and for our ministry, and uh, so it's a very special place for me. John chapter 11 this morning. Every time I come back here, lots of memories, all good, (laughs) and uh, good to see each each of you, praise God. John 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, and it was Mary who anointed the, the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Lord, as we just take a few minutes this morning in your word, Just so grateful to be here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to worship again with Bethel Christian Fellowship. And I pray, God, that you will take the word that you've given me this morning and uh, you speak to us all just in a fresh way this morning, Lord. May May we hear your voice. May you speak to us this morning, God. Thank you for the power of your word to transform and change us. Open our eyes. Turn us from darkness to light. Turn us from the power of Satan to the power of God. We rejoice in all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. We all love the Lazarus story. We, we love the end of the story. We love the miracle. We love Lazarus come forth. We love the empty tomb. We, we love seeing uh, Lazarus hop out of the grave. Huh? And uh, we love uh, Jesus telling the people to, to loose him and let him go. And I'm sure... I'm sure when people did that, it was kind of like, I don't know if I want to touch this guy or not. He's been dead four days, you know. Uh, you know, as they began to unwrap him and, and to see the, the absolute miracle of what God had done. We love that. <laughs> and, and how many would just like to live in that atmosphere all the time? But how many know the story didn't start there? The story started... With something else. The story started with the silence of God. The story started with God not doing anything. The story started with grief and loss and emptiness. The story starts with death. The story starts with this, this very dear friend of Jesus 
Lazarus. He wasn't just an acquaintance. I mean, Jesus had stayed in their home many times. They were buddies. You know, they'd hung out together. They had many meals together. They enjoyed fellowship together. And, 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 and Jesus was almost like a brother, I'm sure, to Lazarus and to Mary and Martha. And now Lazarus is sick, and it's an extended illness, according to the Greek here. And, 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 and over, over an extended period of time, he didn't get better. It got worse. And, and, and now they, they become anxious because of his condition, and, they, and they, they send someone to go and find Jesus. They know basically where he's at, and so they send, send somebody to go get Jesus to have him come. They'd seen his miracles many times. They'd, they'd seen the power of God. They'd seen him speak to demons and, and, and see demons respond to his authority. So, so there was no question in their mind what Jesus could do. It was not a matter of faith here folks. <laughs> they had faith. They, I mean, they totally believed in the power of Christ. No question. So they send and uh, Lazarus gets worse. And his temperature rises. And they're trying to keep him cool and, 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 and nothing's helping. And, and they keep sending people out. Where's Jesus? Anybody see Jesus? Has Jesus come yet? And, 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 and nobody's seen Jesus. And, 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 and then all of a sudden his breathing becomes shallow. And, and I'm sure under their breath they're saying, Jesus, where are you? Why are we here? Why are you silent? Why didn't you come? And then he dies. And they're numb with grief. And they go through the funeral and... And Jesus isn't at the funeral. <laughs> wow. It's kind of like, what is going on here? Why have you allowed this? Why do we feel abandoned? How many have ever been there? Psalm 139 says to us, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. That's why, <laughs> that's why there's times where you felt like the Lord has said, don't say that. How many have disregarded that and said it anyhow? Yeah, me too. <laughs> you hem me in behind and before, and I love this, I love this line in verse 5. And you lay your hand upon me. Isn't that beautiful? It's not, it's not that God grabs us and jerks us around. No, 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 no. No, he lays, lays his hand upon us in that loving, gentle, wonderful way that comes from God. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, David says. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me, even in silence. even in silence. And so Paul, in Romans chapter 8, 
raises the question. And the question is this, who shall separate us from the love of God? Who? Why does he raise that question? He raises that question because there are life experiences that you have and that I have that will cause you to question whether or not God loves you. And he lists them, or some of them. Obviously, he can't list them all, but, but he lists some of them. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, pressing pressure, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall danger, shall sword. How many, how many know that, that speaks of the silence of God? That speaks of us going through difficult situations. We cry out and nothing seems to happen. And then he says, no, in, did you see that word there? In all these things. In tribulation, in distress, in persecution, in famine, in nakedness, in danger, in sword, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Say that with me. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things again, nothing, nothing, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God. And we just need to embrace that. We just need to take that in our hands and say that is true. That is real. That is living. No matter what human experience happens in my life, nothing separates me from the love of God. Following World War II, Allied forces go into Germany. Uh, They go into the city of Köln, Germany. And and in the city of Köln, Germany, as they're kind of making sure there's no Nazi forces still within the city, they go into the basement of a a large home. And and in this basement, they they find a writing on the wall. Obviously, there had been a bunch of Jews that had been hiding there. And um, hiding from the Gestapo. And uh, they had written something on the wall, and this is what it was. I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when I am alone. I believe in God, even when he is silent. You? It's easy for us to believe in God when, when he says, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> it's easy for us to believe in God when, when, when we cry out and God quickly answers. Don't we love the answers of God? Don't we love it when God speaks? Don't we love it when God clarifies? How many believe that God answers prayer? Of course he does. Of course he does. I mean, if... If we took time today and, and took a mic and went all over this congregation, we would see, we would, we would be here all day long in people sh- sharing very clear, identifiable answers to prayer. How many can say God has answered many of my prayers? I have received many answers to prayer. Yes, me too. Matthew 7, ask. 
and it will be given to you. And, and by the word, this is all in the continuous present tense. So there is this sense, even as Peg shared earlier, there, the, there is this sense in, in all of our lives where we need to continue to keep the door of faith open in our lives. Ask and continue to ask. Seek and continue to seek. Knock and continue to knock. Because when you do that, Jesus said, then he'll answer us. 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. We have this interesting picture for us in in Mark chapter 14 where where Jesus is in crisis and it's just before the cross and he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he cries, he prays. How many believe believe that Jesus was in right relationship to God? Anybody believe that? I want to believe that, that, that he prayed in faith. Okay? You know, there's, there's this discrepancy in, in Western theology that, that says if, you, if you're in a right relationship to God and you pray in faith, you're always going to get what you pray for. I mean, Jesus didn't. Jesus prayed three times. Daddy, Abba, Father. This intimate connection to the Father. He says... If it be possible, let this, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't, he wasn't just mouthing words. He didn't, he didn't just say that so we'd have it in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, believe he really, he really felt that at that moment. There was this mix of the divine and the human in the life of Jesus. And out of his, humani- out, out of his humanity and out of his foreknowledge of knowing what he was going to experience, he said, if there's any other way, God, let it be. How many are glad God didn't say, come on home, we're done. (laughs) You don't have to go through this. Thanks be unto God. God didn't answer that prayer the way Jesus prayed. So on Friday, Jesus dies. And on Sunday, there's glorious resurrection. But between Friday and Sunday, there's Saturday. And the only sound on Saturday is the buzz of flies in the tomb of Jesus. All you have is a silent Saturday. Quiet. And it seems like nothing is happening. It seems that God may not even be in existence (laughs) when we experience silent Saturday. And when that happens, we're tempted to cave into despair, Sometimes we feel hurt or betrayed or guilty. Many times we feel responsible, right? You know, it's, it's all about me. It's all about, you know, I, I'm not praying right. I'm, my, my, my life is out of alignment. Things aren't the way that it should be because if it was, then, then certainly, certainly what I'm praying for would be answered if I was where I should be or, or if I was just, if I was just saying the right words, maybe, 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 God, there's a bibbity bobbity boo I need to say, right? Maybe there's something that I need to say so there's poof. Something will happen. And so, doubts arise and despair washes over us. Years ago, um, and I mean years ago. We were pastoring in Iowa. Uh, let's see. 
1987. And uh, we had a young couple who came into our church in Iowa and uh, came to Christ, they came out of the drug culture, and uh, they were about our age, and, and their kids were about the same age as our kids. We became friends, and, and uh, the wife contracted uh, brain, brain cancer, and it was inoperable. She went to Mayo Clinic, and they, they said, we really can't do anything for you, but we want to track your condition, so keep coming back. And I was, you know, I was young pastor, and 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 uh, and I just kind of, I kind of laid everything aside, and I said, God, I, I just need to know how to pray. I, I'm not even sure how to pray. In this, how should we pray? And the Lord gave me something, and it was simple. He knows that's that's what I need. <laughs> simple. And this is what he gave me, and it stayed with me ever since. And 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 it's been, it's been kind of a cornerstone for me in prayer. And this is what it is: I have everything to gain and nothing to lose by maintaining a simple heart of faith. I have everything to lose and nothing to gain by fear and doubt and unbelief. You want to say that with me? I have everything to gain. Nothing to lose. By maintaining a simple heart of faith. I have everything to lose. Nothing to gain. By fear and doubt and unbelief. So we said, hey, we're, we're going to go for broke. Why not? We're just going to, you know, we're, we're just going to believe God. And so we did. We began to pray. One Sunday morning, we had one of these, you know, just kind of sovereign Sundays, you know, where it's kind of like whoosh, the Holy Spirit comes into the service, you know, you know, simple worship, we're just worshiping God, nothing big fancy or anything, you know, but then all of a sudden, it's just kind of like, wow, and everybody just has their hands up and praising, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not exaggerating saying, I think people stood and praised God for about a half hour. That morning, just just stood in the presence of God and worshiped the Lord. It was wonderful, powerful. I got up that morning and preached short because we worshiped long. So, you know, after service, uh, people are walking out. And as it was back in those days, you know, as pastor, you always stand by the back door. And so or front door, whatever. So so we're I, I'm standing by the door and 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 Cindy comes up uh, to me and says, uh, I need to talk to you for a second. She pulls me aside brand new Christian, okay? And she said, God spoke to me this morning as, as we were worshiping God. And he said, on this particular day, I'm going to heal you. Now, before I finish the story, she's a brand new Christian. She doesn't even know where Deuteronomy is. I mean, you know. But, but God knows how to talk to her in a way that she understands. So don't get hung up about hearing the voice of God. You know, you you are not that complex to God. He, he knows how to talk to you so that you hear. How many believe that? You know, 
So, so chill. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry about hearing the voice of God. Just, just, the scripture says, just keep your ear open. Just, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. All right? So just say, God, I, I'm all ears. <laughs> you know, it's a good principle to have big ears and a little mouth. Right? All right. So, you know, keep, keep big ears. Keep listening. Keep listening to the voice of God. And, and, and she heard. She heard that morning. And God said, on this particular day in the month of June, I am going to heal you. Well, it was the day of her next appointment at Mayo Clinic. She goes to Mayo Clinic, and, and as their custom is, they ran her through a half day worth, worth, worth of tests. They came back at noon, circled her bed at noon, and said, we're sorry, but we got to run the tests all over again. So, you know, that night they come back. The doctors surround her bed again and said, first of all, we need to explain what, why we did the tests all over again, because we have all the empirical evidence. We know exactly what you had what your condition was. And we know that we did not do anything. We didn't, you know, we didn't give you any medication. We didn't do anything for you. We've just been observing you. But now we know that what, and, and we had to document it twice because we weren't sure if there was something wrong with our equipment because what was, what was there is now gone. Okay? All right. All right. Beautiful, wonderful. We love that. Now, now, now listen, I, I pastored 35 years. You know, and I and I and we yes, we saw miracles, and this is a wonderful miracle, but but I also had a lot of funerals. <laughs> Some of them, you know, 95 years of age, it's, it's, it's a celebration, it's rejoicing, but others, 18 years old, head on collision uh, a mile from home. You know, we don't get this. Others, I remember in Cloquet, when I was pastoring in Cloquet, we had a young couple coming to our church, and, 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 and they'd been waiting a long time to have a baby, and, 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 and she was basically almost due. And, and, and so um, I get a call from the husband from the hospital from St. Mary's, and, and, and I could tell from his voice that things weren't right. And he says, you've got to get up here right now. And so I, boom, I rushed jumped in my car and drove like crazy to Mayo Clinic, I, I mean to St. Mary's in Duluth, and um, um, went up to their room. And I'll never forget this. The baby had been born, and they were holding their baby all wrapped up. And then they give me, gave me the little baby and said, Pastor, we need to, we want to dedicate our little, little baby to Jesus because our little baby has been born with only a brain stem, no brain. And she's got two hours to live. So would you help us dedicate her to You know, at, at that point, words are meaningless. At that point, you, you weep with those who weep, right? At that point, you don't, you don't give long scriptures. At that point, you don't, you don't give answers. I probably told this story before, but here, because I was here long enough to tell all of my old stories. <laughs> so bear with me. All right. Uh, there, there was a magazine called Eternity Magazine. I think it's really funny because it's no longer in existence. But, um, you know, 
But the editor of the magazine would always have this writing in the back. The last page was his page. And, and on this last page, one month he wrote a story. And it's the only, I think it's the only thing I ever read in that magazine. But man, did it ever hit me. You know, th this was a number of years ago. And uh, he tells a story about how that three of his sons died at different, in, in different events. Can you imagine? Three sons. And, and his third son just died. He's in the hospital. He's sitting there in the waiting room. I just heard that his son died. And he said, a guy came in, and he talked incessantly, prayed long prayers, read all kinds of scripture. He said, he finally left, and I was so glad. He said, another guy came in, didn't say anything, sat with me, held my hand, wept with me. When he left, he said, oh, how I wish he would have stayed long. See, we don't, in those times when God is silent, we're going through, we're going through the stuff. We don't need words so much. We need presence. Presence of God, presence of people. And that's, that's exactly what oftentimes we need. Let me, let me give you a statement that I believe the Lord gave me. Do not downgrade your faith to the level of your disappointment. Do not downgrade your faith to the level of your disappointment. You may say, as, I, as I've said, what is faith? And I, You know, again, I, I really believe in this context of, of years ago, you know, you know, I have everything to gain, nothing to lose, that, that thing, okay? I, I had a word picture that I saw, and this is what I saw. This is... This is how many want to know what faith is? How many would like me to demonstrate faith to you this morning? About two of you. Well, that's good enough. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. This is faith. You ready? You ready? Okay. This is faith. That's faith. That's it. It's just opening the door. It's opening every window and every door you have. Because faith is this. Faith is Psalm 24. Open the gates so that the king of glory may come in. All right? That's faith. Faith is saying, God, I'm opening my gates. I'm opening my doors. I'm opening everything I got so that the king of glory may come in. Now, the problem, this is the problem. And the problem is, is that many of you have done that. You've said, okay, all right, we're going to go for this. All right, God, come in. God? God, where are you? Are you going to come? I guess not. So then we close the door. Some of you don't just close the door, you slam the door. Because we are disappointed. We've opened the door. Ask. Keep asking. Seek. 
keep seeking, knock, keep knocking. My word to you today, keep the door open. I don't care. Just keep your doors open. You say, I tried that, Dave. That's okay. I don't care. That's fine. That's fine. That's good. But keep your doors open. Because the enemy, the thing he wants you to do is to close the door. To close the door. Because it is only as we keep our doors open that the king of glory will come in. So I'm going to keep the door open. A day, a week, a month, a year, five years, ten years, twenty-five. I don't care. I will keep the door open. That's what God has called us to do. Psalm 27 says, I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. Why not? Why not believe that? Pastor Jim, I told him what I was going to speak on. And uh, he gave me a, uh, a reading by Oswald Chambers about the silence of God. <laughs> so good. Can I read it to you? Has God trusted you with silence? A silence that is big with meaning. God's silences are his answers. Think of those days of absolute silence in the home of Bethany. Is there anything analogous to those days in your life? Can God trust you like that? Or are you still uh, asking for a visible answer? God will give you the blessings you ask if you will not go any further without them. But his silence is a sign that he is bringing you into a marvelous understanding of himself. Are you mourning before God because you have not had an audible response? You will find that God has trusted you in the most intimate way possible with an absolute silence, not of despair, but of pleasure because he saw that you could stand a bigger revelation. If God has given you a silence, praise him. He is bringing you into the great run of his purposes. The manifestation of the answer in time is a matter of God's sovereignty. Time is nothing to God. For a while you said, I asked God to give me bread and he gave me a stone. He did not. And today you find he gave you the bread of life. A wonderful thing about God's silence is that the contagion of his stillness gets into you and, and you become perfectly confident, I know God has heard me. His silence is the proof that he has. As long as you have the idea that God will bless you in answer to prayer, you, he will do it, but he will give you the, uh, the, the grace of silence. If Jesus Christ is bringing you into the understanding that prayer is for the glorifying of his Father, he will give you the first sign of his intimacy. Silence. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Life is messy. Have you discovered that? You know? You know? Every second, five babies are born, two people die. So there's, 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 there's celebration, there's grief happening all the time. We've created a Western Christian culture which compels us to have all the answers. 
Whereas Deuteronomy 29 tells us the secret things belong to God. But that which he's chosen, he's revealed to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29. So that means, Tom, what, 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 what is the secret? The secret is, I'm not telling you. I mean, you can stand on your head, you can throw a fit, you can, you can demand, proclaim, you can, you can read 10,000 scriptures. No, I, I am not telling you, because it's a secret. Right? That's the secret. A secret is God saying, hey, there's some things I'm not going to tell you. I don't care. I don't care how much you think you need to know. I am not going to tell you unless it is good for you that I tell you. So we need to trust our Father, that he's going he's gonna to reveal to us what, we, what, what is good for us to know. And what we don't know, that's okay. Because the secret things belong to him. Now, you know and I know we're not guaranteed uh, blue skies all of our life. Christian life is not a five-star hotel. You found that out? Um, how many How many are doing pretty good right now? Life's pretty good? Yeah. Ate your Cheerios this morning or whatever. Had your cup of coffee. Came into church feeling pretty decent. What should you do when, when life is good? Feel guilty? No. Be thankful. Be happy. <laughs> right? When life is good, be happy. When life is good, rejoice. When things are going well, praise be unto God. Don't take it for granted. Because doesn't, God doesn't guarantee you that life on planet Earth, this side of heaven, is always going to be wonderful. He doesn't say that. He says in the world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have pressing pressure. But don't lose sight of the fact that I have overcome the world. Okay? So that's where we're at. I'm almost done. And we all say amen to that, for sure. He's called us to faith, opening our doors, but he's also called us to courage. You, you remember Daniel chapter 3, and this is a lot shorter than the first part. Daniel chapter 3, three Hebrew children. You know, this is, let me read it. Let me read it to you. This is, uh, this is what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They'd already thought this thing through. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now, what is that? That is door open. That's door wide open. That's faith. And he's called you to faith. But they got it because it's not only a a matter of faith, it's also about courage. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God. That's courage. Um, I've never told this story here. Um, 
true story about my dad. Um, my dad was a Assembly of God pastor. Um, uh, when I was three years old, uh, we were pastoring a little church in southwest Washington down by the ocean, a little town called Montesano, Washington. And um, um, my dad came home from church one day at noon for lunch and walked up the back steps. And he's 32 years of age, walks up the back steps of, of the parsonage where we were living and falls over backwards, passes out, falls over backwards down the steps. My mom screams, hollers, did whatever whatever people did 60 years ago. <laughs> we didn't have aid cars back then. So they called the ambulance or something. You know, Ambulance came, got my dad, took him to the hospital in Olympia, which was the closest main hospital. And they said, we can't help you. They sent him to Harborview Hospital in Seattle. My dad's, my dad's uh, kidneys had shut down, totally shut down. And um, there's only a couple kidney machines in the country at the time, very few. So it was all on a lottery system. If your number came up, you got one. If you didn't, you, you didn't, just the way it was. And um, But my dad had his door wide open. He totally believed that God was going to heal him. In fact, he had so opened his door that he'd already determined what the title of his new book was going to be. It was going to be based on the book of Malachi. And the title of his book was going to be called With Healing in His Wounds. Because he so totally believed that God he was in the hospital for nine months in Seattle. They did everything they could. He never got a kidney machine. And after nine months at 33 years of age, when I was four years old, my dad died. Many years pass. I end up going to Bible college, end up entering in the ministry. After I entered the ministry, my mom said, I need to tell you a story. She said, when your dad realized he was going to die, when it was there at the very end, he actually prayed that what was his would become yours. And so I've never claimed this is my ministry. It's always been my dad's. <laughs> the Elijah, Elisha thing, passing the mantle. Now, my dad could have responded in bitterness. He could have said, God, 33, young man, I love you, I serve you, I got two little kids, I got a wife, I don't have any life insurance, because Pentecostals did not have life insurance in those days. And uh, what, am I, what is my family going to do? Is this the way you treat your servants? He didn't do that. He didn't respond with bitterness. He responded with courage. And there's times in your life and my life when we, when we stand at a graveside re, in reality or figuratively. Something has died. And we say, okay, God, 
We're not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere. Um, Margaret Lewis, Scottish lady, was dying of throat cancer. And just days before she died, she could not speak anymore. So she, this is what she wrote. This is not the worst thing that could happen. Cancer is so limited. It cannot cripple love. It cannot shatter hope. It cannot corrode faith. It cannot eat away peace. It cannot destroy confidence. It cannot kill friendship. It cannot shut out memories. It cannot quench the spirit. It cannot lessen the power of Jesus. That is courage. In the darkest hour, when it seems that God is silent, this is singing in the storm. This is saying nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is saying, I'm a conqueror in Christ Jesus. In good times, in difficult times. I think Martin Luther got it wrong when he said at times, God is the God who goes missing. I don't think that's right. Behold, I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so in the midst of dark times, in the midst of silent times, we need to keep our doors open. And we also need to stand with courage. Would you stand with me? You see, when we stand this way, with faith and courage, Satan doesn't get us no matter what. No matter, no matter what. No matter what we're going through. No matter what life experience is all about. He doesn't have us. As long as we keep our windows and doors open and as long as we're saying, God, no matter what, I'm with you. And, and, and even though life may, may take turns that I don't understand. And this morning... As, as, as the worship team leads us in whatever, whatever God's put on your heart to lead us in. If, you're, if you've got a door you need to reopen or reaffirm, I want you to do something this morning. I just want you to step out and come and stand here in the front as an expression to God. Not to me, not even to this congregation, but to God of saying, God, I... I'm, I'm reopening some doors that I've, I've closed because of discouragement, because if it seems like God is not answering or maybe never will answer, I've been praying for this for 25 years and nothing has happened. I am done. I'm finished. And, and you're saying today, I am not done. I am not done. Or maybe you've stood at a, at a graveside and you, you've been tempted to live under the darkness you are saying today, not even death separates me from the love of Christ. I will stand, even though life makes no sense to me right now. That may be you. You come and you stand here. And we'll stand together as an expression of our faith and our trust.
Hallelujah. We affirm our faith this morning. Our confidence. Our courage in you, Lord. Hannah's going to come and read the scripture. Come ahead. And as she comes to read this scripture, after she's done, I want us to do something. I want us to applaud the Lord. Affirm to the Lord. Come what may. We're going to keep our doors open. Come what may, we're going to stand with courage. No matter how dark it is, no matter how silent it is, we will keep our doors open. And we will stand in courage. Until the Lord, the day the Lord calls us home. Go ahead, read what God's given us. So this is uh, related to the passage in John 11. Um, actually, while I was in Lit, um, one day we were praying, and at the time it was a really tough time, uh, and I had read that scripture about God waiting, or Jesus waiting two days to go and be with um, Lazarus, and um, praying the scripture in Psalm 30 that says, to you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. Um, and while we were praying, God gave me this picture of um, Lazarus coming out of the dead and of the bones in Ezekiel 37. Um, where Ezekiel says to the bones to rise up. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says on my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. Hallelujah. The Lord. So I just saw, um, I was drawing, I don't really, I don't know for seeing things, but um, I was drawing a skeleton and Lazarus like a mummy, um, and the question was, will the dust praise you? Will the dry bones praise you? And the answer was yes. 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 There is gain. Um, what gain is there in my destruction? Am I going down the pit? That's probably what Jesus was saying, too, when he was praying, but um, like we sang with the resurrection chant, there is um, God can make us praise him. And um, that's supposed to be a rhetorical question in the Psalms, but it's not. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, because the rest of the Psalm goes on and says, he's made, turned my wailing into um, singing and my mourning into dancing. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's applaud the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be unto God. God, our Father, we are grateful for your wonderful message to us this morning. That we must keep doors open. Not only doors and windows open. No matter what we go through in our lives. Any tribulation, temptation. Whatever we face in our life, we will stand up. Always doors open. We are waiting for you. Day we wait for you. Night we wait for you. In winter we wait for you. Summertime we wait for you. Fall time 
wait for you. Now God, open your hands for blessings. See your children this morning here waiting for you. Their hands are open to you, God. Pour the blessing from heaven. And when they live here, they will make many disciples. Many disciples, many souls are dried. So they can go to tear up the fire all over the world and wherever they go. Bless them when they leave. Bless them when they enter their own home. Now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.